letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. All right, y'all are more awake than the 745ers were. Yeah? Yeah, okay, just checking, just checking. Well, there's this time when I was younger. I, uh, I was, I was, I'm an Eagle Scout, so I was in the Boy Scouts, and uh, proud, I'm a proud of Eagle Scout. I think it's, come on, put it right here, put it right here. I saw, you're just, you keep going. He's just starting Boy Scouts proud of you. If I can ever be of assistance, let me know. I loved it. I don't want to give too much away. Now I'm going to change the sermon a little bit. Okay. I really am going to change it a little bit. Okay. So I had to do this thing. I was part of a special little uh, organization called the Order of the Arrow. And for Boy Scouts in the room, you may, may know what this is. And you have to do this thing called an ordeal. And part of the ordeal is where I'm changing now. So don't cover your ears, earmuffs, earmuffs. Okay. Part of the ordeal uh, was going out in, in darkness, and you were taken out, you're blindfolded and taken out into a particular part of the wilderness, and you were left there all night. Good job. Left there all night. Well, not all night, for a good chunk of the night. And I remember in South Georgia, for those who've been to South Georgia, in the, in the swamps of Georgia, in the marshlands of Georgia, where I am, I've been forged in the crucible of fire that is St. Simon's Island, it gets dark. We don't have a lot of uh, city lights, so there's not a lot of ambient light that lights up. So when I say I'm out in the darkness, I mean I am out in the darkness. And then uh, the scrub oaks and every, the way things grow in the kind of the swamps, it, it all grows really close together. So any kind of moonlight that you would normally get is pretty distant. So they put me out in my little spot. I had no clue where I was. I had some idea where I was, but not, I mean, it's hard to navigate. And it was a kind of a foggy, it was a spring day, so it was kind of foggy too, so that didn't help with night navigation uh, at all. But I remember sitting there and thinking to myself, what can I do, being the mischievous young Boy Scout that I am, to figure out how to bring some light into this darkness? And one thing they had forgotten, they took everything away from us when they you can take You can take them down. They took everything away from us. I appreciate that, though. They took everything away from us, and, um, but they didn't check my pockets. Now, I am weird. This was a strange point in my life that I carried dryer lint and a flint with me, a flint and stone so that I could start a fire. I read this book, and I don't remember what, I read, just finished this book in school about the guy who goes down, I can't begin the name of the book right now, but he goes down in the lake in Canada, and he has to survive, and the mosquitoes and everything eats him up, and 
this is, you tell me what book is it? Hatchet. I think that's it. I'm so glad you're here helping me. This is good. This is good. I don't mind this. You can get amens, hallelujahs, and raise your hand. It's all good. So it's Hatchet. I think that's right. Anyway, so, the, so I, I was so nervous that in all in my traveling, not that I flew a whole lot, but I was thinking if something happens to my plane, i got to be able to build a fire. So I took my dryer lid out on this foggy day, not really thinking about the moisture that exists around, but for a moment created fire. Well, for like probably 10 minutes, because I didn't have my watch, probably 10, 15 minutes until I put too much wet wood on the fire. Note to self, don't do that, especially on a new fire. But I remember for the remainder of that night, that moment of fire and light was everything because I didn't know where I was. I was pretty sure I was safe, but I wasn't so so sure. I mean, there's only so much control that the, the leaders could have over you during this ordeal. If I don't think there was a leader that close to me uh, to check on me. But I remember for a moment that that light was everything. And as the day progressed and we finished this ordeal the next day, I remember some of the, uh, my fellow scouts who were in that induction class with me, they said, you know, we saw that, we saw your light, and we knew everything was going to be okay. We knew everything was going to be okay because we saw some light in the darkness, and it gave us comfort. Jesus invites the disciples and the people gathered on the mountain to consider that they are the light of the earth. And Jesus says some really powerful statements in this that all build on that reality that the grace of God gives us the power to be lights in the darkness, to be the light in in anyone's darkness, whatever the darkness is that overshadows them, to come and be the light of hope and grace in that moment. I can think of multiple times in my life where maybe I wasn't out camping, but where darkness had befallen me and it was friends or family that brought the light into the darkness, that gave me hope and life and a sense of of new beginnings, of new life. What's powerful in our gospel today is not only does Jesus tell them they are the light of the earth, but he, he tells them, he tells everybody that you're in the kingdom of God and in the kingdom of heaven. Even those who break the commandments, you're just least in the kingdom of heaven. And those who teach the commandments are greatest in the kingdom of heaven, which was a great statement about the grace of God. And something that I think we all need to hear and actually internalize. Because part of what Jesus is doing, it's a rhetorical move on his part, or on the part of the Gospel of Matthew, to move people to thinking differently. Because he gives you a little spin at the end and says, if you can exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes, you're going to do much better. And the reality is, Jesus is going to constantly call into question the actions of the Pharisees and scribes, who, by the way, are the harbingers of the law. They're the ones who've been following it more or less to a T. So in their minds, they're not doing anything wrong. They're just living into what was entrusted to them. But Jesus comes and teaches this wonderful thing where he says, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill after he says, you are the light of the world. And that's an interesting concept when you think about it. Because then he very nearly at the end of that says, Oh, by the way, but be more righteous than the Pharisees and the scribes. Who are the harbingers of the law and the prophets? They're the ones who interpret the law and the prophets. They're the ones who teach everybody to follow the law. So you're kind of left in this pickle 
of thinking, what does it mean to be the light of the world and live into the law and the prophets at the same time? If you're telling us the people who have been teaching us to do that aren't the ones that have the righteousness anymore, don't have enough of it, that we need to do something different. And it's very interesting when you think about that, what's going on in this passage. But at the core is this idea of light and life. That we, when we, when we come together here and when we leave here, we have the possibility and the capacity of sharing God's light out into the world. That we don't just hide it under the bushel, back of our, bushel basket of our selfishness underneath the, 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 the cover of self-interest and self-preservation. We rip those things off and we shine our light so bright before others that they can see God. Now, Isaiah gives us a sense of what maybe this looks like. And for me, a lot of what you read in Isaiah probably feels a lot like today, if we're honest. Maybe we don't want to think about that, but it feels a lot like today. In Isaiah, as we think about light and life, Isaiah is prophesying on behalf of God to to the people of Judah and Israel and saying, if you're going to fast, this is what fast is all about. Most of us in this room have probably fasted at some point in our lives by taking food away or taking something away so that we can focus on our spiritual life. In the early church, they would go and fast. They would retreat into the desert and fast and and focus on prayer and, and working on themselves. It's called asceticism working on some part of themselves so they could grow closer to God and be a better beacon of God's light out into the world. The trick was the desert fathers and mothers didn't just stay in the desert, which is kind of a myth that we think they all just stayed in the desert. Countless stories of them going back into the communities and the cities of which they had retreated from to be the bearers of the light, to, to share God's light out into the world. In Isaiah, God reshapes a fast to be about taking care of those, those systems of injustice, addressing those systems, taking care of those who are oppressed. All of a sudden, the fast is not about taking food away for our own self-worth, our own self-gain. The fast becomes a fast away from those things that have prevented us from living into God's law, living into the, the justice that God calls us to, living into the real relationships that God has asked us to forge with one another asking us to breach as what will happen just past that passage we read in verse 12, to be repairers of the breach, restorers of the kingdom. Repairs of the breach and restorers of the kingdom. And the way by which we do that work is we open our eyes and we let our light shine on those things that we know are not right those things that we know need to be fixed, those systems in our society that have pushed people to the outside that we have to address as people of faith. Maybe we don't want to think about that. Maybe that bothers us. But the reality is our faith demands that we live it, that we don't hold on to, we don't hide it under the bushel basket, that we go out in our own little ways and we make a difference. Even if we think the thing that be, is in front of us is so big that we can't make a difference, we go and we make a difference. We take one small bite out of it and we make a difference in the world. One of the things the men's group talked about on Thursday morning looking at this, these two passages is they talked about the homelessness in Austin. 
and not about labeling the homeless as they, well, they've done it to themselves or this or that, but how do we just start to serve? How do we start, as Isaiah says, to clothe the, na- clothe the naked, feed the hungry? How do we start to do that work? Because the bushel basket tells us we can't make a difference. They did it to themselves. We don't care unless you care for yourself. Grace and light and life tell us that it matters. No matter the reason that that is our brother or sister. And in whatever way we can, we make one small step to repair the breach. How do we live in a world, and I don't, when I say what I'm about to say, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about something much bigger in our society. How do we live in a world of such bipartisanship where we've decided that we only want to hang out with people that agree or think like us? And the civility of discourse over any topic, whether it be politics, religion, or taxes. Taxes, I got one there. That's right, taxes. It divides us so deeply that how many, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but I just want you to be honest with yourself. How many of you, when you went to Thanksgiving dinner with your family, perused Facebook, perused social media, thought about things that you knew you couldn't talk about around the Thanksgiving table? Because that's the world in which we live now. And it's sad. And it's painful. And it's not just. And it's not right that we've moved ourselves to our mountaintops and we've decided that whoever's on our mountain is more righteous than those on the other. And we haven't come to the valley of humility to find relationship and connection. We haven't come and filled the breach. But my brothers and sisters, part of what we're called to do to be light bearers in the world is to do that work, is to get in the middle of those family members, those people in our lives that are so divided over things that are so minuscule in the kingdom of God, like politics, and repair the breach, build the bridges, bring people back together. The injustice is accepting the status quo and saying, we can't make a difference. Justice is saying, I don't like what I see. It's not of God and doing something about it, however small it may be. And this is exactly where Isaiah wants us to live in that discomfort of what God demands of God's people. Following God and living into the kingdom, which is bigger than any kingdom of this world, demands a great deal of work and focus. But we don't do it alone. We do it in community. We do it together. We get beyond ourselves, our selfishness, our self-interest. We look at our neighbor in the pew next to us and we say, this is my brother, this is my sister in Christ, and we do the work together. Today, we're going to be reminded of the importance of this work when we baptize this beautiful young lady right here who is having a good time in the front pew. And I'm going to encourage you all, or you're not, I'm not going to encourage you, you're going to answer the question. I'm going to ask the congregation a question, St. Luke's a question, on behalf of this child, will you support this person, their new life in Christ? And you are going to resoundingly say? We will. We, well, you'll do, hopefully do it better than that, but we will. Yes. We have a job to do. Our job is not to create division. Our job is not to be Old Testament Christians and draw lines in the sand and decide who's in and who's out. 
Our job is to profess justice. Our job is to repair the breach, as Isaiah will say in 58, 12. Repair the breaches in this world. Our job is to get out in the muck of life, into the muck of humanity, and sew it back together through love and grace. This is exactly what the early church fathers do time and time again. Those, those, mother, those fathers and mothers who retreated to the desert, yes, they retreated for a period of time. But they went back into their communities and repaired the breaches of their day. They went back and professed grace. They went back and created a place for their light to shine so bright that they helped people find God in the darkness. So my hope is that when you leave here and you see that little sign that's slightly bent that we need to fix, but you can still read it, that says you are now entering the mission field. That mission field is every single person you meet, whether you like them, agree with them, care about them or not, that is your mission field. Those are the people in your lives that you have to shine your light for. And as we celebrate this baptism, Elizabeth needs us to do that work She needs us to be light bearers. This family needs us to share the light, needs us to respect the dignity of every human being, as our baptismal covenant says, to seek and serve Christ in all persons, not in the persons we think have Christ and those who don't. Everybody's got it. That's grace. We'll get to that another Sunday. Everybody's got it. Our job is to live our faith in all that we do, whether it's easy or it's hard. If God thought it was going to be easy, I'm sure Isaiah 59 would have let off saying, people of God, it is so easy to follow the law and the prophets. But that's not where 59 is going to go. Just spoiler alert. Not at all where it's going to go. The reality is we can spend a lot of time building relationships and deepening our faith and doing something about the world in which we live. This mission field we have been planted in or we can hide our light under the bushel basket of selfishness and self-preservation and just pretend we can't make a difference in the world and we'd be fooling ourselves because everybody in this room has the possibility of doing something great in the name of God. And we have the possibility of doing something even bigger together as a church family. Amen. She can, have the, she can have the book if she wants it. She can have the book. Okay, we're good. We're good. Whatever she needs. All righty, folks, we're turning to page. Wait for it. Page eight in your service bulletin. Page eight. All right, y'all. All righty, the candidate for holy baptism will now be presented. Will you be responsible for seeing that the child you present is brought up in the Christian faith and life?